Hello and welcome to Bright Wings, children's books to make the heart soar. I am your host, Charity Hill. The purpose of this conversation is to help mothers and fathers identify books that will liberate their children to embrace truth, goodness, and beauty. I'm reviewing The War That Saved My Life by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. She's a New York Times bestselling author, and this book won the Newbery Honor Award. It was published in 2015, so it's somewhat recent. It's a complicated book and not an easy book for me to review. It's not an easy book to read. I wanted to give you a heads up before I begin commenting on this book. Depending on the sensitivity of your children, you might want to listen to this podcast either with earbuds in or when your children aren't around. If they typically listen with you, you might want to consider that for this podcast episode. The content that I'm going to be talking about is pretty serious, a little mature, and also it contains a number of spoilers. I think spoilers are important for mothers and fathers to be able to determine um, and make a judgment about what books are worth reading. Also, I want to clarify briefly the purpose of these book reviews. First, of course, it's to make your life easier by giving you a kind of insider scoop. My second purpose in these book reviews is to apply some of the thinking and reasoning and principles that I've used um, from other podcasts and apply it to new situations to value and evaluate new works. Sometimes it can be really helpful to hear someone think through and reason through the merits and demerits of a book. I've had friends and listeners wondering that since I call the initiative books worth reading, do I mean that? Do I mean that all the books that I feature, they're actually worth reading? They're excellent? Um, no. <laughs> However, it's not easy as that, as a laugh. And you know that too. Of course, it has to be more intelligent than that. And we're all trying to grow our brains, me included. So... Sometimes I will tell you explicitly what I think, and sometimes I'm just going to try to give you enough information so that you can make a judgment. I think it's important to give as generous a reading as possible to books, and also to say yes as much as possible to books. But as you may have noticed, I'm pretty picky. We can call it discerning. That sounds more intelligent. (sighs) All right. So The War That Saved My Life concerns the story of Ada Smith and her brother, Jamie. They live in London at the opening of the story with their mother in a one-room apartment. It's a one-room apartment that that Ada has never left. Jamie can come and go somewhat. Ada has never left the apartment in her entire life because her mother hates and despises her. She hates and despises her because she has a club foot. Ada's mother is emotionally and physically abusive to her. She makes Ada do all the housework and cooking, um, such as there is. They're a very hungry, very poor family. Ada's not even supposed to look out the window, and when her mother is home, she can't. Her mother doesn't even want the world to know that Ada exists. The beauty in this wicked time is Ada's relationship with Jamie, their care for each other. During this period, Ada teaches herself to walk, which causes excruciating pain. I need to mention that the setting is World War II. Jamie is scheduled to be evacuated London. And Ada goes along with him, pretending any number of things in order to be able to escape. When they leave their apartment, Ada can has never seen grass before. She's never seen a train. As we come to understand, they're filthy and underfed. And when they reach their final destination, the two of them are assigned to a woman named Miss Susan. There, Ada's given permission to be outside as much as she likes. They bathe every day and they eat every day, three meals. Ada starts to teach herself how to ride Susan's pony, 
Ada says, I liked it right away. Falling off didn't scare me. Learning to ride was like learning to walk. It hurt, but I kept on. And this is a huge source of consolation for her. Growth. Ada begins to trust Susan, and she begins to see her brother bond with Susan, feel affection for Susan, when she's only ever seen him connect with her, be hugged by her, even though Jamie liked their mom. Their mother never hugged. Definitely. Now, Susan described herself as not nice, but the evidence is that she's very kind, very kind and very patient. Sometimes she's able to perceive what the abusive situation has done to the children, that they can't understand or won't receive kindness in the usual forms. Ada even begins to trust Susan, and Susan loves Ada, even as she tries to protect herself from love and from hope because the worst pain that she could suffer at this point is to lose, to lose those things that she's gained, her freedom. Um, At one point, the siblings are together talking and Jamie is sobbing that he wants to go home. And Ada asks him why. And Jamie says, at home, I knew the words for things. I knew what he meant. I knew how overwhelmed I felt sometimes going into a shop full of things I'd never seen before. There's nothing good at home, I said. You were hungry, remember? No, said Jamie. I wasn't ever hungry. I never was. If he wasn't, it was only because I gave him most of the food. I was, I said. I was hungry, and I was alone, and I was trapped. And right now, no matter what, you have to do what I say. You have to stay here with me. In these book reviews, I'm all about spoilers because you need to know so that you can make good decisions. Towards the end of the book, the very last, probably 16th of the book, their mother comes to get them. And the truth is she comes to get them because having them out at Susan's is supposedly costing her 19 shillings a week. She thinks that she can keep them at home more cheaply than having them out at Susan's. And finally, Ada confronts her. She confronts her and ma'am confesses that she had never wanted children, that she never wanted them, and she doesn't want them now. It was her husband who wanted children, and he was a really tender father until he was killed in a dock accident. Her mom says, And then I got stuck with a cripple, and then a baby, and then no husband. I never wanted either of you. Ada responds, so you don't need to keep us now. You won't have to pay. We'll be gone in the morning. We'll be gone for good. Ma'am got up. She turned to look at me. Can I get rid of you without paying anything? I nodded, and she grinned. Is that a promise? She said. All my life, I would remember those words. And I said, yes. And then at the end, before they can escape back to Miss Susan's house in the countryside, they're, they're bombed. Susan comes searching for them and finds them at the sh- where they took shelter. The children wonder why she came for them when she had already let them go. It's true, your mother has a right to you. I was thinking of that when I let you go, but then I couldn't sleep. I sat in the shelter with the wretched cat, and I realized that no matter what the rules were, I should have kept you because it was also true that you belonged to me. Do you understand that? Can you? I said, we were coming back to you this morning. She nodded. Good. They returned to Susan's house in the countryside, the countryside of Kent, and the house has been the target of a direct hit by a German bomb. Susan says, it's lucky I went after you. She said, the two of you saved my life, you did. So it's a really intense book. And that must be admitted. And there are things that I really love about it. And I'd like to share what I really appreciate about this book. So first of all, um, 
what I love is that this book does a great job of showing how great evil can be petty, it can be personal, it can be pusillanimous and concerned with social appearances. Great evil can begin with vanity. Ada's mother becomes really evil because she rejects the children that she bears, and she's so concerned with public appearances that that she rejects and abuses and mistreats Ada. I think in this podcast so far, we talk a lot about the importance of truth, beauty, and goodness. And this is definitely a book that shows us the kind of power that small choices can have, that we shape our character, we shape ourselves with the choices that we make. And we see, especially in Ada's mother, how small choices and small decisions have shaped her. They've made her narrower and smaller. She's been fearful and she's let that fear make her stingy, like narrow and small, pusillanimous. It's clear in this book that the great enemy in this war, in Ada's war, is not Hitler and the Nazis, but actually her own mother. So we don't have a kind of worldwide evil depicted in this book. We have a very personal, near, close to home, in my home, evil. Right. Also, for this reason, it's deeply uncomfortable. In a minute, I'm going to tell you how this also serves as the basis of my criticism of the book. Okay. So, but I wanted to point out that there's something really good and important about showing this that evil, great evil, actually can be just very small and petty and ugly and near and narrow. It doesn't have to be some worldwide villain. It can be within ourselves. It can be within our own family. So while we appreciate truth, goodness, and beauty, sometimes we have to look at the flip side of these things that are thematic for bright wings. All right. So the second thing that I really want to affirm as wonderful in this book is that it shows how evil can be forced to serve the purposes of good. The book demonstrates this really powerfully. There are two circumstances in the book. They really drive the whole entire point and purpose of the book, where two distinctively bad circumstances in the end serve the purpose of good. They serve the purpose of good being brought forth into the world of a better life, um, greater love, um, greater wholeness and happiness taking root in the world. I appreciate that this is a fully secular book, and yet it's able to point out the truth of this dynamic. It's able to show in two different circumstances that drive the book how evil can be made to serve the purposes of good, that evil can be turned into good. It doesn't have the last word. I'm going to give away one of them. Obviously, the title of the book is The War That Saved My Life. And so we see that she leaves London in order to escape her mother and in order to escape the London bombing. And this becomes a great source of life for her. So in a certain sense, it's World War II, this terrible tragedy of human life is the very possibility, the very opportunity where Ada is able to be saved from her dire circumstances. The other circumstances where evil is made to serve the purposes of good is that Ada and Jamie, precisely by fleeing from London and fleeing their mother, 
by being with Susan Smith, Susan begins to love them. And not only do does their her Susan's love for Jamie and Ada motivate Susan to leave and go and look for them in London, but it's that love for each other that both saves Susan's physical life and saves Susan's spirit. Renew the love that they have for one another renews Susan's spirit. And in a staggering way, this renewal wouldn't have happened for Susan if the children hadn't been through what they had gone through with their mother. That isn't to say that those abusive circumstances were ever ever in any way okay. It's just that there was redemption for the children and Susan in and through their circumstances. Right? So these are really deep things to be pondering. And these are important things to appreciate. However, I am not sure that this is a kid's book. Just to make a distinction for you, middle grade fiction is fiction that is supposedly designed for eight to 12 year olds. It has a happy ending. Young adult fiction is usually for readers 12 to 18 years old and is full of mature, let's say like PG-13 rated R thematic content and possibly ends unhappily. I just thought an important distinction needed to be made between middle grade fiction and young adult fiction because many of us go to the library assuming that these are the same. I will have an informative podcast sometime in the future just talking about what young adult fiction is. Suffice it to say for now that I think the book, the novel, The War That Saved My Life is almost young adult fiction. In the end, though, it does end with hope. And there is growth towards hope within the book. That's the great drama of the story. Let me say clearly and distinctly that I think that the book might not be worth the risk, worth the emotional risk for children under 14. In many ways, I feel like it's a book that was written for adults, but marketed to kids because it concerns the life of a child. The things going on psychologically in this story, it seems to me a child of 12 is not really going to understand. So I tried to imagine under what circumstances it would be reasonable for a child's formation to read The War That Saved My Life. What would be the circumstances in which I would say, yeah, go ahead, read The War That Saved My Life. So this is me brainstorming with you about where would this book fit in the formation of your child possibly. So I was thinking, well, perhaps if my child had a friend or a classmate who was abused, or if my child had heard about abuse and he or she was actively talking through what abuse was with me and why people do it, how it happens. And um, if the child is kind of more morally advanced, more philosophically advanced, and they're actively pondering these kinds of circumstances, then I could see that being a reasonable choice. I see this book as part of important conversations. I wouldn't just hand my child this book and not ask her what she made of it. However, you know, if my child did have a friend or a classmate who had been abused and this came to light, perhaps this would be the exact reasons why this book would be too much, why it would be too traumatizing for my child to read. I was thinking, even if you have a very peaceful home without a lot of passion or drama, or you have very resilient children, I 
I find it difficult to imagine circumstances where the child wouldn't be deeply burdened by Ada's circumstances. How would my child read this book and not identify with Ada and Jamie? Right, the book is not full of abuse, but the abuse is definitely there. It's told about in the beginning, and then it's told about in different kind of flashbacks and reflections by Ada. And they're pretty visceral, pretty detailed. The burden, I think, and the trauma to a, to a young reader engaging with this book would come from the child's inability to grasp the psychological depth of the circumstances that Ada is suffering. So she both loves her mother and fears and hates her. An advanced eight-year-old reader could technically have the reading skills to read the words of this book. A 10-year-old would do better and a 12-year-old would do even better. But even a 12-year-old would still be struggling, I think, to make sense of the psychological circumstances that are the whole point of the book. They drive all the internal action and the internal action and the psychological action are most important. I don't think 8 to 12-year-olds or even 8 to 13-year-olds have the psychological maturity to really grapple with this book. Or at least they can't grapple with it alone. I really take seriously the fact that reading is an act of participation. By reading, we share in another's experience. Yes, by analogy. But yes, through analogy, we really do share something. I don't think the author is able to provide enough psychological analysis within the text to help the 8 to 12-year-old who is very not self-aware to help such children adequately sort through what has happened to Ada and how Ada is changing from this. Nevertheless, as an adult, I found it a really good book. Good in a burdening kind of way. I'm glad Ada is okay at the end. All right, let me encourage you in this, that if you think The War That Saved My Life is a book worth reading, that you will read it with your child, that you will talk about it with your child, Perhaps you will let them listen to this podcast and you can talk about some of the themes that make this book remarkable. And by reading it together, you will be able to bear some of the darkness. I appreciate you listening to this review of The War That Saved My Life by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. And I hope that this review has helped you decide if this book is a book worth reading. 